SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, hour number two. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician. I got the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, with me. And thank you to our newest audience here on SiriusXM Channel 204. What we do here, if you're new to the station, is we give you the winning edge. And we do that here every morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern, while also trying to put the fun in functional sports content. And Kevin, I apologize in advance because I don't know if this next topic is going to be fun for you as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. But, you know, they dropped the hammer on Doug Peterson yesterday. I don't know how else to say it, Kev. There was a lot of drama. We heard like players, uh, you know, kind of not happy. We know the idea of how they went to Sudfeld and Hurts. We heard how the kind of Carson Wentz thing was starting to deteriorate. You know, this this team that won a Super Bowl mid a few years ago wins only four games. There's a lot of drama, and I don't know how else to say it. You know, Jeffrey Lurie decided, you know what? I'm turning the page to the future, and Doug Peterson is now out of a job. It's, ah, man, it's unbelievable. Because they reported that his job was safe in week 17. Right. And I believe that was true. And I believe that there was a plan to put Nate Sudfeld in that game. And then I believe that they didn't know how to communicate that evidently to that locker room. He lost that locker room in that moment. Yep. And then lost his job. And the fact that a predetermined decision was so poorly communicated to the rest of that roster that he now finds himself out of Philadelphia is as pathetic as it is stunning. It is unacceptable in every sense of the word. And that's from the top to Doug and anybody in between. That is an unacceptable way for this tenure to end. And the reports then come out, sources close to Doug Peterson say that he was tired of being told what to do and and wanted out. A little bit of damage control Mm. there from Doug Peterson on the way out. It is what it is. I mean, this guy won a Super Bowl four years ago. Not 40, not 14, four years ago. I mean, you look around the league, there's only eight other guys that have ever won a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I, I mean... And Doug Peterson is the ninth, and he now enters the market. I think he's got a good shot to land a job somewhere. We know uh, where he's favored to to get to, and we'll talk about it. But as as far as the Eagles go, it is an unfortunate fitting end to a season that in the beginning of it, I remember saying to you, Dane, I'm like, it could be a disaster year for them. And it was but it far exceeded what I thought a disaster year would profile. Now Peterson out, and I think Wentz will soon be following. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting with Carson Wentz. There is one school of thought that obviously Wentz would be kind of the next guy out the door. But if Peterson was part of the problem, right, their relationship was beyond repair, maybe that helps him stay. Maybe Laurie is like, eh, maybe I give both of these guys a shot. But there's a lot to see with that. When you talk about, like, that the move was preplanned uh, going to Sutfeld, right, in Week 17 and how it was communicated, the only thing I can think about is, like, the Knicks were tanking, but they didn't tell Kristaps Porzingis, right? And Porzingis was like, wait a second, what are we doing? We're trying to win here. I don't like Hmm. this. As we welcome in our radio audience around the country, around the globe, big shout-out again to all of our affiliates. Thanks for getting the winning edge right here on SportsGrid. You're listening to The Early Line. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician. We got the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, with me as well. And, you know, it's also interesting, Kev, you talked about – uh, yesterday, the three-year rule when it came to quarterbacks, right? And I asked you, does it apply to coaches? And what do you know? Three years after winning a Super Bowl, the rule does not still apply for Doug Peterson. You said that he will likely be able to get a job. He is the favorite now to land the New York Jets head coaching job. Why? Because the GM there, Joe Douglas, came from that organization. So we will certainly keep our eye out on that. You know, Kev, we've also been ranking um, the head coach openings. Remember, we did that last week when we thought there was just six. Mm. Now there is seven. I got to ask you completely honestly and objectively, where does Philly fall in that pecking order, Kev? Because it's not the, you know, the wide receiver position, you know, they have been struggling with, right? Uh, Studs on the defensive end, like a Fletcher Cox, is on the back nine of his career. The secondary is also an issue. I love Miles Sanders as a back. And then I turn to the quarterback position, Kev, and, you know, you were liking teams like Houston or or the Chargers who have their quarterback. You were liking the idea of having capital, draft, or money to go get your quarterback. Do the Eagles have their quarterback? And how desirable of a job do you think Philly would be? So a lot of people um, yesterday said that the Eagles job is the least attractive job of all of the openings. I would push back on that a little bit. I don't think it's the least, but I it's believe, not the best. <laughs> I, I believe that the roster and or how poor the roster is, I think it's a little bit overstated. Again, they lost so many pieces due to injury uh, that now then again, last year, uh, they were supposed to have injury regression for this season because apparently that's fake because they were even <laughs> more banged up this year than, than they were the year prior. Really, where the Eagles land, though, it is almost entirely related to how you view Jalen Hurts. And that's why hmm. I, you know, and I, we kind of joke, like, I'm going to buy the Lincoln Riley story until he sends no, out a press you. release that says I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, that's interesting. But Jalen Hurts only played, like, you know, five or six less games than Justin Herbert. And we're solidified and know that they've got their quarterback. Interesting. We'll talk more NFL when we come back right here, giving you the winning edge on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back in, everybody, right here. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh giving you the winning edge here on the early line on SportsGrid. That's what we do here every morning to our newest audience on SiriusXM Channel 204. Thanks for joining. We fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content. Kev, let's look now at the NFL. We talked about the Doug Peterson news. We'll see where he winds up. But there are eight teams still playing this season. So let's talk about it through the lens of coaching, Kev. Right? I think that is mm-hmm. interesting. We will be doing that. Listen, you see the playoff bracket still there. There are eight teams left. And a little bit later on, we will be going through the remaining head coaches and talking about who do you have the most confidence in to kind of, you know, scheme it up, make the right play calls, go for it on fourth down the right time, challenge things the right way. And we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But first, we got to talk about, you know, uh, what groceries they will have at play to cook the meal. We look at the injury report after wild card weekend. And Kev, as I look at these teams, and you know, we'll talk to guys like Dr. Chow throughout the week, but it looks like the Rams have the most questions to me, right? Aaron Donald with those lower ribs looks like he will be okay. Same with Cooper Cup. They think he'll be okay. Same with Cam Akers. They think he'll be okay. But at the quarterback position, they have a mm. lot of concerns, right? Unfortunately, in Buffalo, we saw that Zach Moss was carted off the field. It looks like that is the dreaded high ankle sprain and something that will keep him out for the remainder of the playoffs. Now, the Buffalo Bills don't try to run the ball that much anyway. This is going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen may be the best runner for the Buffalo Bills, but not having Zach Moss is still definitely something to think about. Over in Tampa, they played, and remember Ronald Jones was kind of like that late scratch with the leg injury. We got to see about that. Mike Evans. Evans is still, you know, a little bit of hitch in his giddy up as well. Not to be outdone, I think there's two key people on uh, teams that are getting into the fray this week who had buys also. On Kansas City, your boy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, remember, they're hoping to get him back. They He missed the last game or two of the regular season. And then in Green Bay, offensive lineman stud David Bakhtiari is also banged up, you know, protecting the p- possible MVP up there in Green Bay. I just went through a lot of injuries. You saw some of them on the screen. Which do you think is mm-hmm. going to be, like, the number one thing to monitor as we head into divisional weekend? It has to be the Rams, right? Right. And like just Goff, when, right? When, when, when you, when, well, it, but it's across the board. You know, Akers, Goff, Donald, like that team is showing up to Lambeau with, again, just they're not going to be 100%. Even if these guys are active, they're not going to be 100%. Yeah. And you're playing now a well-rested number one team in the conference in the Green Bay Packers. And it's a game that's so fascinating because we kind of we know what the Rams need to do, and that's kind of get out in front and at the minimum keep it that one-score game because once it flips to Rodgers is comfortable and Goff needs to win it through the air, you change the channel almost type of deal, right? So yeah. that to me is going to, to be interesting to see because – if Donald isn't going to be 100%, and if Cam Akers isn't going to be 100%, then the Rams have – I don't want to say they have no chance, but, man, that really dings up their chances of pulling off that upset. Yeah, I'm also – I'm thinking about these running backs, right? Ronald Jones in Tampa, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City, Zach Moss in Buffalo. What's ironic to me is that all three of those backs and all three of those teams, A – 
there's another running back in that kind of committee, right? Whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's Devin Singletary, whether it's Leonard Fournette who filled in admirably. And all three of those teams are really passing teams, right? You know, when you got Mahomes, when you got Tom Brady who put up like 380 in the wild card game. And of course, Josh Allen. Which of those potential running back uh, absences or not being at full strength do you look at to be most impactful? You know, it's it's hard, but is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I, I guess, trying to get a sense for how important he is to the team? They had these grand ideas for mm-hmm. CEH. And, man, that first game of the season, it looked like this yeah. guy was going to have like every I remember a conversation existed, after the right? first week of the game. Yeah, the no, absolutely, right? And then soon he, he just he wasn't able to find the end zone, but he was still the guy. And then Le'Veon Bell showed up. And then he got banged up, and and you know then he missed the game because he was sick, not with COVID, but he was just sick on, on right. a different thing, which is weird in these times almost that you could have an illness that's not COVID. So it, it was kind of a, a a rocky close, right? And then he gets banged up in that game against the New Orleans Saints, and now we headed into the postseason. And for those that remember, but last year Damian Williams was yeah. excellent in that should have been the Super Bowl MVP the in my opinion. Chiefs. I could have been the Super Bowl I totally MVP. disagree with that. I think I think it's so wild have that been. people want to. Could have been. No, no, no. No, but there are people who believe that he should have been. Right. Like, I'm just speaking to the fact that doing? Damian Williams was important for them in that run. He he was had a, had a, had a nice game. Mahomes Williams. I just it's so wild, but it is what it is. Like at the end of the day, Williams still was an important piece of that puzzle for that team. And it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs go with that running back room, not only for their team's success, but also when we think props market, right? Think about what we yeah. just saw with, with the team that they're going to be playing this weekend with Chubb and Hunt, where right. you know you needed that rushing plus receiving day. Chubb maybe gets there depending on when you get your over-rushing total uh, for him, but when you bring the receiving into the play, and that's how he gets into the end zone, through the air. Meanwhile, it's Kareem Hunt scoring two touchdowns on the ground, and that's what they have that ability to do the Browns is to use those guys in a number of ways to attack you in a number of different ways and stay unpredictable. How the Chiefs deploy those running backs is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, talk to me about these Cleveland Browns now, who surprised everybody, right? But their offensive tackle stud, Jack Conklin, got banged up in this one. They are, at least, remember I was telling you about the uh, offensive lineman, the left guard, I believe, Batomo, I believe his name is, who like has been a long-tenured veteran for that squad, then came down with COVID or contact tracing, couldn't play. He's going to get to play in a playoff game against Kansas City this week. But that Browns offensive line needs to be intact because any way they're going to play is going to be riding that number three rushing offense you mentioned Chubb and Hunt and we've said this you know Kev I believe one of the potential blueprints to beat the Chiefs is to rely on a run game and punch them in the mouth they're gonna need an offensive line at 100 percent to even hang close right yeah I mean you you definitely need to be at 100 percent and I think it's it's just for the Browns now, you you win that game against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, you're going to have the confidence, the swagger necessary uh, to believe going into Kansas City. But there is a dragon waiting on the other side, man. There really, Fair really enough. is. And it's going to be it's going to be something to watch. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be something to watch. And you know, you can punch Kansas City in the mouth. Dane, they got punched in. Dane, they got punched in the mouth. No, I know by they were down Mike twenty-four. Tyson and Muhammad <laughs> Ali at the same time, 
and then proceeded to Undertaker gif up as if it never happened. Yeah, so I hear that. Listen, there's a reason why in Divisional Weekend they are 10-point underdogs already, right? We'll look at some of those games again starting tomorrow. You know we like to do a little watch for the hooks. Some of the hooks are appearing and disappearing as we speak. I know in Tampa Bay and New Orleans there's been some movement around the hook as well. And just to wrap this up, you know, I heard Dr. Chow yesterday on this network. In that Ravens-Bills game, he says both of those two teams, you know, Zach Moss notwithstanding, that those those are two of the healthiest teams going into it. So it'll be really great to see that Ravens-Bills game outside of Zach Moss. It looks like both of those teams are going to be pretty much full strength, Kev. Yeah, it's interesting how much this Zach Moss absence does impact them because the running game for the Titans was well-documented in the lack of success that it just had this past weekend against for Baltimore. Sure. The, the ground game for Buffalo against the Colts was non-existent outside of what right. Josh Allen brought to the fold. And could be more you know, Josh Allen, what more opportunity you know, for the big mistake, it, it, unfortunately. You never yeah, but know. if you ask the Seattle Seahawks, if they drop eight back, apparently you know the offense turns into <laughs> soup and they'll never know how to move. Fair the enough. We'll see. We'll talk about the people pulling the strings. We rank the division around coaches when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to Sports Grid, giving you the winning edge here on the early line. Big shout out to all of our affiliates, all of our streaming platforms, all of our radio affiliates, including the Mightier 1090, and of course, our newest audience on Sirius XM Channel 204. Sports Grid, as a New Year's resolution, was like, let's just dominate the world and make sure if people need advice as a sports investor, they get the winning edge on the grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh bringing it to you here on a Tuesday morning. Kev, you know, last week when we looked at the playoff teams, what we did was rank the quarterbacks because we know that's the most important position in all of sports, right, with the starting pitcher and the goalie and all that good stuff. You know, the other thing that's going to be a critical instance, and we saw this last weekend, was the coaching, right? You know, do you – and we, we talk about this all the time in this day and age, right? Like when you're looking at this, do you go for two at the right times? There's now a lot of times where do you go for it on fourth and four is now a new hot question, right? And some of those in-game management things um, are really important, obviously, the scheme, the approach, the scripted plays. And, you know, having a solid head coach clearly will get you through in the playoffs. So there are eight left, Kev. And what we're going to do is I have my rankings for how I would rank my confidence, my, uh, my you know, 
the, where the coaches maybe are a half a point or move the number or are part of the reason why I do like that team all the way down to where there may be a liability. So I have my eight for you. We're going to show them to you now. I put Andy Reid up top. Why? Because he's the defending Super Bowl champion. He has the experience. And I think you know, Kev, about those stats with Andy Reid off a bye, right? And so that is the situation he is in this week. I like him. Sean Payton, I also just think, listen, for me, Reed, Peyton, and Harbaugh. These are potential Hall of Fame coaches who have won Super Bowls in the past. So to me, those are the top three. Um, I give uh, Andy Reed the slight nod because he has that bye. I've seen what Sean Payton has done. And with Harbaugh, he's just the bottom of the three for me, but still an incredibly good coach. The next tier are what I call the kind of newer coaches that I think are doing a great job building their team, building their culture. And there you have Sean McDermott in Buffalo. He's been doing great things with this team, with Josh Allen. Matt LaFleur comes in next for me because everything we've seen, Aaron Rodgers is happy now, and he has attributed a lot of this to his chemistry, his connection with Matt LaFleur, that they are are growing together and seeing things in the same way. So I think that that is important for the Packers and important for LaFleur. Then I have Stefanski. You know, I have been talking about Kevin Stefanski as the potential coach of the year this year. I think he has done a great job with that organization. There's finally an adult in the room, as I've mentioned, and the evolution and maturation of Baker Mayfield is another huge part of this. He's my coach of the year. If you want to know the truth, the reason he's a little bit lower, Kev, and I hate to say this is because the Browns put up 40-some-odd points without him last weekend. You know what I mean? So <laughs> how important could it be if I can almost still get a 50-burger without him? And then the last two for me at seven is Sean McVay. Now, I listen, I'm down with all these wonder kid boy geniuses and all, right? Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Rule, some of the other guys at Lincoln Riley we've discussed. But – there's been some situations where McVay either was caught stargazing with Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl, or I still wonder, like, how will he adjust as teams adjust to him? Still a great coach. And then Bruce Arians, for me, is last. I love Bruce Arians as a man. Okay, I love him in documentaries I've seen about him, right? The way he is a player's coach, the way he talks to guys. I love that, but... All season long, we have seen there have been kind of back and forth with him and Tom Brady. They're still trying to figure out how to merge their two offensive minds together. And so, you know, someone had to be last. So for me, it was B.A. Uh, Kev, what do you think about how I outlined that list? Does a lot of it resonate with you? Do you want to push back? What do you think about what I said? Mm -hmm. And then we'll get into yours as well. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, so I, I think the process that you went through there is one that's totally understandable. And I think that this is the type of conversation, like I could see people getting a lot uh, more heated over the quarterback rankings, right? Because uh, people sure. are very particular about where you put these quarterbacks. Coaches, it, it can be a bit more of a, of a lax conversation. Oh, I see what you're, oh, you're putting in experience here. Or, oh, you got the hot yep. hand here. The you got a Super Bowl ring, you got to be pretty high. <laughs> Yeah, the, the one thing, though, that I would push back on is McVay at seven. Uh -huh. McVay has coached four years now in this league. Been above 500 all four of them. Double-digit wins in three out of the four. He's mm -hmm. won the NFC West twice, and he's been to a Super Bowl in this four-year run. And it's with a quarterback that everybody outside of Gabe will acknowledge average at best. It's not elite. Average right, at right, best. Right. right. And... 
I think McVay was all, it was this weird thing, but his first two years were so successful. We were like, oh my gosh, like this guy's going to win the division every single year. And then they they fell to nine and seven. They would have made the playoffs that we had the 17 playoff that year. We didn't. And everyone was like, see, his card's been pulled. He'll never be the same. And in a year where Goff didn't maybe as much juice, they, they transformed themselves into more of a defensive team. And I'm not going to sit here and give him credit for a defensive turnaround. He's not a defensive guy. But he did put together an offensive game plan that complemented the style of football that they were playing on the other side of the field. And I just think, you know, up against a lot of these guys, I put McVay higher. And for okay. example, I put McVay above Sean Payton. Now, I'm sure for a lot of people that might be a bit jarring. But I didn't want to just rank the guys that won Super Bowls one, two, three. At the end of the day, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl in 2009. So we are now two decades technically removed from the Sean Payton. But even in recent vintage, haven't the Saints gone as far as the Rams and McVay recently, like over the last, I don't know, three or four years? Well, they had a chance to, but then McVay beat him in his own building. And at the end of the day, the Saints have been a byproduct of these disaster flameouts in the postseason. The Minnesota Miracle, Cousins in the Dome, the NFC title game against Sean McVay. So I'm not going to sit here and, again, I'm not going to tell you Sean Payton's a bad coach. Right? The Eagles have a job opening. Someone said, hey, you want Peyton? Yep. Please. Great. (laughs) Excited about it. I'm I'm not telling you that. But I put McVay above him. And I also, and we'll find out how true this ranking is soon enough. I put LaFleur, too. I see that. He's 13-3 and both years as a head coach. Went to the NFC Championship game in year one. I favor him to go to the NFC Championship game in year two. And a little bit more. Like, it's what it is. Like, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl in 09. Harbaugh won a Super Bowl in 13. Incredible accomplishments. Matt LaFleur right now is putting up results as good as anybody in this league. I have to work with what he's given me. And I won't, because I'm sure there are people who are going to say, ah, but that's all Aaron Rodgers. We both got Andy Reid number one. So we got to try and find that balance somewhere, right? And that's why he, again, uh, was pushed up that list for me. I, I think this is a situation where you can say we're, we're splitting hairs, but no, I, hear I, I leaned a little bit younger when we were ranking these guys out in the NFC. No, that's fair. And remember, there's all these different factors, right? I think the fact that some of these guys have a Super Bowl ring already deserves some credence. I understand what you're doing looking at, you know, like, for example, LaFleur is, what, 13-3, and two years in a row? So then let me ask you just this, like, straight this year, and not necessarily ranking. You're right. The teams they have at play are, 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 are part of it as well. You look pretty good if you have Aaron Rodgers, right? The way I always said, Adam Gaze was known as the quarterback whisperer when he was coaching Peyton Manning. That can help you out a little bit. We talk about how the Alabama offensive coordinator job, right, is a springboard to the promised land. There's a reason mm-hmm. why. So let me ask you this. When I was given my coach ranks, I mentioned that I believe my vote for coach of the year this year would be Kevin Stefanski, mm-hmm. right? I think there are contenders for coach of the year on this list as well. You mentioned the Packers go 13 wins with LaFleur in his second season. McDermott is there. I know a lot of people like Rivera and Flores as well. Is your coach of the year on this list? Are they still playing in the playoffs? 
So it, the coach of the year thing is always interesting to me when we do awards, right? And it's yeah, it would always be imperfect. But I feel like what you have to do is you almost have to give a team a grade, like it was school out of a hundred, right? And think yeah. of it as a group project, right? You divvy up the credit, and you just then go by the percentage. It was point, never right? like, ever an easy division, though. When I was in school, it wasn't like everyone pulled their own even weight. I'm just saying. Oh, well, no, yeah, that's what you have to be honest about, right? Everybody just gets the twenty five percent, but even there though one go. person did eighty percent of the work, uh, we we all know how it goes. But the reason I bring that up, I feel like, and I feel like they do this in the NBA a lot, the Coach of the Year MVP in the same season. And like, hold on a second, now who is getting credit for what here? Right, who, like who did what? Right, like it's the Bill the Belichick Tom Reed, Brady thing. But this is what, right. Like, why is Reed not in the convo, Mahomes? Why is no? Have you heard Lafleur mentioned right. once? No, because no, of Rod. because of Aaron Rodgers. McDermott, McDermott likely falls into that same category. So who are the guys that we talk about? Oh, we talk about Stefanski because mm-hmm. Baker's not an MVP conversation. We talk about Brian Flores because Tua doesn't resemble anything that is near an MVP conversation. I, I think this year you've got a lot of good candidates and, and you've made an excellent case all year long uh, for Stefanski. I would I would just give credit to Flores in his absence because, and again, they didn't make the playoffs. I think it would be really difficult for him to win that award with them missing the postseason. As much as I can't believe the way he handled the Tua-Ryan Fitzpatrick in-and-out situation, I give him credit because he did seem to pull the necessary strings while coaching up that defense to make spectacular plays to still get them the results uh, they needed. But it was a really good year uh, for coaches. It's a strong crop for that award. Fair enough. And we both had B.A. last. Ironically, he could be the guy that like fixes something in season and gets them even better. We go to the NBA after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back here to the early line where we fundamentally put the fun and functional sports Mm. content. I am Dane Martinez, my man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. Big shout out to all the affiliates. Any way you can watch or listen and get the winning edge bright and early in the morning. You've already won the day, people, if you watch and listen to the early line because you're in position to earn a little bit of extra cash. And we appreciate our newest audience, Sirius XM Channel 204. Kev, we got to turn our attention to the NBA. And I know you love the NBA. As you should. Everyone's excited. You know, remember at first, the NBA season wasn't going to start until this weekend, right around Martin Luther King Day, but we've gotten it in and we've gotten already, what, I don't know, around 10 games teams have played, but it is starting to get harder and harder for games to be played and rosters to be full and the idea of handicapping this stuff because as we started to talk about yesterday, COVID is, you know, fully present in this country and this is not a bubble for the nba we heard about the philadelphia 76ers and how like the entire team had to quarantine um over the weekend we've been talking about that there were games 
you know, kind of compromise yesterday. And there are two games already off the board for tonight. The Heat and Sixers were supposed to play. That's not going to happen, right? The Celtics and the Bulls were supposed to play. That's not going to happen, Kev. Take it wherever you want, either the kind of more slimly focused that two games are off the schedule today or the bigger picture, right? And we've talked about this. Roster sizes are smaller in the NBA. Schedules are more condensed in a quarantine window. And, you know, I think we are starting to see some of the implications of that as this NBA season rolls on. Yeah, I think when you kind of watch the timeline for other sports, Think about baseball and their beginning to it. Because as much as right. the NBA already finished up a season, uh, you know, and you've made this point a lot of times outside of the bubble, it's, it's as if they've never gone through this before. Correct. And in the beginning of the baseball season, I mean, I don't know, Dane, what did it take? Four days before yeah. we were convinced that the well, baseball Juan season Soto didn't canceled. make opening day. Remember that? Yanks Nationals yeah. opening day, Juan Soto. You're right, but. But don't we now as a society, as a country, know more, or at least shouldn't we be able to be better equipped for this? We, yes, but I, I think trying to run a league, like I'm better <laughs> equipped easy. for it. Here's what I know. Yeah. Stay yeah. home. That's right. what I do. Catch me right. right here on the grid a thousand yeah. hours a week. Because where else am I going? Right? Burning I, I'm better equipped. I'm not running a sports league, though. And trying to, you know, that in and out, you know, these NBA players haven't done this before. Trying to navigate a pandemic while traveling. They were in a bubble. They were in their own world, basically. And that's what does make this a little bit different. And that's why I think you are seeing a rockier start. But the question is not saying, oh, I understand why it's rocky. It's can they stop this, or is it going right. to get worse? So a couple of reports from Adrian Wojnarowski is that uh, today there is set to be a special Board of Governors meetings mm. uh, for the NBA to try and get a sense for what they want to do they go from uh, here. among the topics that those GMs are supposed to be talking about around tightening protocols, uh, re-examining shoot-around uh, and practice lengths, the pre- and the post-game socializing on the court, you know, the hugs, right. the dap-ups, and things like that between players, uh, and then tightening up restrictions uh, on the restaurant dining and, and tighter rules on mask wearing. Uh, and one GM told Adrian Wojnarowski and ESPN, uh, they tell us it'll be better later in the season, but I just hope this doesn't break the league in the next few weeks. And yeah. I think they hop on that call, Dane, and I think the idea of a pause will be thrown around. I yeah. do not think it will come. And I think the idea of a vaccination throughout this league will be brought up, uh, but that will come with a, qu a question of optics, and that's what yep. makes Jump all of the this line. A, a difficult spot right now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'm kind of with you. I do think the idea of pausing will enter the conversation. I don't know if it is the option that ultimately the owners, the sponsors, the television networks, and everyone who may have a voice in that decision, I don't know that that's what they mm -hmm. will want to do or that's where they will lean. But as you have seen, right, we keep on talking about after a Thanksgiving surge, a a, a uh, Christmas, Jewish holidays, New Year's surge, and, and quite frankly, uh, people going out there and protesting <laughs> potentially surges or rioting or surges. We keep on hearing that we are still not at 
the crest and getting downhill, right? We keep mm -hmm. on hearing it may get worse before it gets better. Don't get me wrong. Vaccinating people left and right is incredible. I'm, I'm ready to get my shot as soon as I possibly can. But you're right. The idea that the players would sort of like jump the line over, you know, uh, healthcare workers or teachers or uh, adults that are like elderly or have health complications like myself is kind of interesting. So we will see how that works out. Kev, like, How's it going to work out? How's it going to work out? Okay, because no, and, and let me let me go one level down, right? When we talked about football and college football, we were like, oh, there's one level like the show must go on. And I agree with you. Pauses may be considered, but the show will go on. The next thing we always talked about, that next thing to consider is competitive balance, right? And like, and the integrity of what we are seeing on the court. I mean, teams are playing with eight guys. You know, teams are dressing injured players just to get to eight guys, right? Like, at some point, now put your handicapping hat on, your prop bet hat on, your love for the Lakers on. Like, is this, how's it going to work out from that aspect, kind of the integrity competitive balance aspect? Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. Again, the Sixers played a game in which they had one guy from their starting five available to them, you know, at home against the Denver Nuggets. So they, are you on pause, like, playing the futures market in the NBA? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't see any – I don't see any world where you're – now, I think the only thing is, like, the make-miss playoff markets, if you think you truly have an edge. But as far as, like – to win but conferences that, right? and to win titles, right? Like I, I just think if, like if you were all in love with the Atlanta Hawks, to... right? But if Trey Young goes yeah. down, you ain't taking him to miss the make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like how right? But how certain is this mark any market? No, listen. But at the end of the day, like Trey Young missing time is kind of always something that can loom. I would say I would say this: fading in the futures market mm. is like if you wanted to bet no on to make the playoffs, <laughs> I think you can do that, right? Right. But I, I think I think trying to oh, I think I've got the best number on this team to win a title. Do you? And even if you do, is it really worth it? We the phrase I always use is paying for information. Wouldn't you rather pay to find out, oh, I don't know, when the playoffs are, let alone right. what the bracket looks like? I mean, right. we don't have the second half of the season schedule yet. I, I think so, for example, right, the Orlando Magic is a team that I've just been kind of monitoring their yes-no to make the sure. playoffs. It is still plus 104 for them to miss the playoffs. To me, I, I think that they are fraudulent in their above, five, uh, above 500 status. Each time they play anything that resembles a playoff-caliber team, uh, they get ran off the court. They are banged up, and, and that's part of the equation. But I'm fading a team, right? So all of the craziness around it, Dane, it, the only way it would help the Magic is by taking other teams down. But if right. your cap to play up on a to play on a team in this market is, oh, I think the rest of the East gets banged up, and the Magic can wiggle through. Like that's not how you yeah, want to play it. So. I think if you wanted to click no on some teams in right. the playoff market, it's about the only way I would touch the futures market.
Yeah, fair enough. I just think it's so uncertain. But, you know, and, and we're seeing that also even on a day-to-day basis, right, Kev? Like the book, our friends and partners at FanDuel are not hanging totals as many times early mm-hmm. on in the day here on the early line as usual. But there are still some games on the slate still for now because this is like an hour-by-hour thing. So let's go into some of them. One game I'm intrigued by here will be at Barclays tonight. The Brooklyn Nets, they're at home seeing the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are... One one point favorites, I believe. Am I right? KD is, is back available. Has his quarantine ended? Mm-hmm. The Brooklyn Nets are at home, but given a point to Denver and Jokic and his triple-double machine. How do you see this one going down? So one of the things that you and I really haven't had the opportunity to, to discuss because we've yeah. been backloaded with NFL, and we got Kyrie. Yeah. I mean, this is... He just doesn't like... He's like, nah, I don't want to play today. Nah. So this is the thing with Kyrie Irving, okay? And Kyrie is a very divisive athlete. (laughs) And more often than not, people will speak of Kyrie in a negative light. I would say that you and I are one of the few chances that Kyrie would have at anybody giving him anything that were to resemble a benefit of the doubt when it comes to people on the network that would speak about Kyrie Irving. That's not a shot at the others here on the network. It's just they've made their opinions on Kyrie quite clear. Kyrie has done a lot of good things off the court. We've seen that before. Uh, The way he was taken to task for bringing up questions about the bubble uh, soon after was proved to be an understandable move and one that people probably owed him apologies for. This decision to just be gone for what is going to be now the fourth straight game is one that is so jarring, so surprising, that I can't help but hold back on the criticism that a lot of people are rushing to give because it is so different, Dane. I can't help but mm-hmm. wonder if there is something is this bigger justice play related? Than I just right? Because didn't some games he's not didn't some talking. teams not want to play he's on Wednesday, talking. right? And they yes. like, you know, the, the Celtics like walked off and then came back and stuff. But yeah. could it be related to that? We we just don't know. It it can be. Again, again with Kyrie, we don't know. And the fact that there is a world that this is, I don't feel like playing, is right. wild. So Kyrie, there was this. It's an old episode of a road tripping podcast that Channing Fry and R.J. Jefferson still kind of do, but they were doing while they were on the Cavs. And there was an interview, and I will never forget this man. They were talking to Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie said, "He goes, yeah, all my friends tell me that I'm going to retire early, that I'm going to leave the game earlier than people would think." And, you know, he would talk about kind of wanting to he was he was like on some like I want to create like my own like world, basically, like by a massive land that exists as its own city, basically. Right. So Kyrie leaving this game early is always something that I've mentally been prepared for where maybe others are like floored by this. Like, right. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but like Kyrie Irving being like, I am retiring and will not be returning to the Nets this season would be a a shocker to any and all. It would just be a little less shocking because I've seen this with Kyrie throughout his career. It's just you wonder what's going on right now. And I almost hope, Dane, 
that the end result of this is him saying, yeah, I didn't want to play, and then people can take him to task the way that they are. I find right. it a little uncomfortable because it is so jarring. You just wonder what's really going on. Fair enough. As we put up the other games on the board tonight, anything you really like, any sides of totals, you do yeah. want to bet here. We got Utah's a big number. We do have some totals on the board real quick, Kev. Yeah, my, yeah, and I, we obviously should, should be talking about the games. And I'll tell you just with that Nets-Nuggets game, KD came back. They lost at home to OKC. That's a really bad loss, but, but Denver's been having a solid East Coast trip here. This could be a nice get-right spot for Brooklyn. Cool. When we come back to close out this episode of The Early Line, I ask Kev which viewing experience he likes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line as we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode. I'm Dane Martinez. We got Kevin Walsh up next on SportsGrid. If you don't know yet, is the morning after. Jared Smith and Ariel Epstein will hold you down, giving everything you need and continuing some of the conversations we're having here, Kev. But I got to ask you, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see over the weekend where they had like the Nickelodeon broadcast of Saints Rams? We had slime going all over the place. Nate Burleson, you know, and kind of some of the uh, more kid-focused Focused broadcast. I thought it was pretty cool, but I want to ask you this. I don't know if you watch this game on Nickelodeon or on regular CBS on the national championship game. We got like the mega cast, the data cast, the all 22 sky cam, the, the, the Alabama feed, the Ohio state yeah. feed. And I want to ask you about something else that we've started to see recently. And quite frankly, I'm over it. Have you seen now these guys with the camera? I think it's on the CBS coverage. They switch it to like portrait mode and, and are doing, you know, like this close up on the player and it's like all fuzzy in the background and it's like portrait mode on a new iPhone. Which of these viewing experiences do you like best? Do you want to see slime shooting out of the pylon cam? Do you like the portrait mode? Because I'm over it. Or do you like what ESPN is doing with some of these, you know, standalone broadcasts having all sorts of angles, all sorts of data? It's almost like in-game live, which is really the best second screen you need. Uh, which viewing experience yes. are you into, Kev? A, a, lot, a lot of things there to address. You being yeah. out on cinematography is just hilarious. I haven't it's heard not that I'm out on it. I think they are overusing it. I think it's cool. But I think they are overusing touchdowns it. only. I think it's cool. I haven't heard one person say a negative thing about it, so I just think it's funny. But I, I do you? <laughs> the the college football situation. They always have like fifteen broadcasts. Like someone the other is like, yeah, I'm watching the ref cast. I'm like, you're weird. Turn the regular game on. <laughs> right? Lastly, Nickelodeon can broadcast every game as long as they keep giving out MVPs to losing quarterbacks that play awful. That is the funniest thing that's ever <laughs> happened. Trubisky being the Nickelodeon valuable player ruled, ruled, ruled. 
All right, so you like them all. I'm just a little tired of it. The portrait is cool, but it's like they got a new toy and they're just playing with it. I don't know. We'll see what happens this week. The morning after is up next. Let me.